Alright, so uh, we're going to continue on with our Who Cares series. Uh, so last week, when we started this, um, we, we started out with the conversation of understanding that the church, the local church, is actually the family that God has given us with, blessed us with, and calls us to live with. Uh, and, and the reason, again, just to remind us that that's so important that we understand that the church is so much more than just an organization, but it's an actual family, is because the way we do life together and the way we treat one another and we wait, the way we care for one another and minister to one another has to flow out of the understanding of what God created. Okay, so that's why we had to start with this understanding it is a family. With that, I want to share some thoughts from someone else on this that I, I found interesting. Uh, One theologian said, believers, therefore, are members of God's household or God's family. The phrase church family captures the depth of life that people share when they attend the same church. Believers who go to the same church do not just sit in the same building on Sunday mornings. Church members go through life together just like a family. They experience joys and sorrows together, have the same desires to live as Jesus lived. We say church family because it conveys how important our relationships are with other believers and that a congregation is supposed to provide support and connection similar to that of an actual family. Now, when we start to understand how God has formed us to be a family, it starts to make a little more sense why the enemy wants to destroy our relationships and connections with one another. I mean, if you think about this, if God has given us the family of believers for us to be able to succeed and live in the abundant life he has called us to, no wonder the enemy wants to disconnect us. No wonder the enemy wants us to find reasons to maybe seek out another place to be so that we never have to fully embrace and dive into a intimate and deep relationship with one another where we have to protect ourselves to hopefully never allowing the people around us to see the actual flaws in our lives. This is the enemy's desire with us and he does a masterful job at us, at it. In fact, one of our, our, our last core value as a church, right? Our last core value says that we will not get in his way, right? We will not get in Jesus' way and the work that he's trying to do. And under that, one of the things it says is no masks, right? No masks. Meaning the tendency that all of us have, we all do it, when we gather together to, to put on the yeah, life's good, mask, right? We're the perfect family mask, right? Yes, I want to be here right now, mask, right? I mean, we do it. Everybody does it. And and, and so this is something that we have to understand. God calls us to be a family where we don't, we, we reject that idea of masks, See, we have to begin with what unites us as a family, which we processed through last week. Some of the things that unite us 
as a family. So today we're going to talk through and consider how God has actually then designed us as a family. Right? So if, his, if he calls us his family and we are brothers and sisters as part of this family with him as our father, now let's consider from his word how he has designed this family. So this week I was kind of thinking about two terms that we use in the church. And uh, we use the word, uh, we talk about clergy and we talk about laity. Okay, if you never heard these, I mean, these are terms that we, and I, so I, I got to thinking about these two terms, and I, and I wanted to look up the actual definition, and, and they actually kind of frustrated me a little bit, and I want to explain to you why. When I looked up clergy, this is the definition of clergy. Clergy is the ordained people that are set apart for religious duties. So they would say like myself and Pastor Matt, we are clergy, like we are set apart, we are ordained for religious duties. Then the laity, this was the definition of laity, and this is what frustrated me. I'm not even joking, I was surprised when I read this. This is the definition of laity, ordinary people. Right? Ordinary people. Now, in the concept of these two terms, clergy again would be pastors or or those that are called to this ministry, this profession of, of serving the church. Uh, And then laity would be everyone else. And this is what intrigues me is this idea of ordinary people. And this is what frustrated me a little bit. Because we have to understand something very clear. There is no such thing as ordinary, er, ordinary people in the family of God. There's no such thing as ordinary people in God's family. Right? Why this frustrates me is because there is a culture in the church that has stemmed back for generations. Don't get me wrong, this is not a new thing. Um, But it's in the church whether we realize it or not. There is this mindset, there is this view of the church when it comes to clergy and laity that almost creates an us-them mentality. Right? Like, that's the professional Christian, that's the, the leadership Christian, that's the one that leads the church, and then, then there's the rest. I'm just here. And, and it's actually sparked even more, because even right now, if you think about it, there's a lot of churches that have the, well, this is the stage, this is where the ministry is done, this is the audience. Right? Passively taking in whatever the clergy is providing to you. When, when we uh, started Revolution, um, before we merged, it was really interesting. Um, he, he's not here right now, but Chris Cantrell, uh, Chris, he comes to me one morning. And, and for months, we were trying to ingrain in the people at Revolution that Scripture actually says, when we gather together as a body, every single one of us needs to come ready to minister to the other. Right? Come with a word. Come with a song. Come with something, right? Scripture, Paul talks about that. Paul says, when you gather together, you are coming together to minister to one another. Right? So one, we're, we're drilling that in. So anyways, one Sunday, Chris comes to me before church and he says, I got an idea. Hopefully you're good with this. Uh, I would always sing and then Chris would come up and he'd do a, a little, you know, kind of a small, if you want to call it devotional, or he'd kind of do a time of prayer, whatever it was, to give me a minute to kind of catch my breath and get ready to preach. And uh, so Chris decided what he wanted to do was, this is while we were at Tilford, Chris decided um, this Sunday, when you're done singing, I would like you to walk off the stage and 
if you're fine with it, I'm not going to stand up. Like, I'm not even going to be in the room. We're just, we're just going to sit there. And we're going to see what happens. And I said, fun, let's try it, right? <laughs> let's, let's do this. So we did. Chris didn't sit in the room, and I, we sang. We did worship as normal. I walked off the stage, and then I stood out in the hallway, and it was just silence. And I wish I could have had a camera to watch, right? Because it was a good, like, five minutes. Five minutes of just quiet. And I wish I could have seen everybody, like, looking around. Like, what are we going to do? Right? Because there was this moment of panic. The clergy, they're not here to do something. Like, that was the thought. I guarantee it. Where's the clergy to continue the service going? They're not here. What do we do? I, could say, I guarantee you there was panic. Like, what do we do? And then finally somebody got it. All of a sudden we hear somebody stand up and say, you know what? God's been talking to me in Scripture this week. And he started, they started sharing what they had been studying. And then finally, everybody kind of, it just clicked, right? Okay, and then the next person shared, and the next person shared a little bit. And then we moved on with the service. But see, there's a mindset in the church of the us and them. The, the clergy dictate what happens, and the rest of us are just ordinary. But the problem is, in Scripture... Every believer, whether you want to give them the title of clergy or not, every believer is sealed and filled and empowered by the same Holy Spirit. There is nothing about the empowerment on a clergy person, a clergy member, that is any different. The spirit that is indwelling me is the same spirit that is indwelling you. So there's no such thing as an ordinary person in the family of God. In fact, if we look at Scripture, the New Testament is clear that God designed this family to actually be a priesthood of all believers. Every single one of you in this place have been ordained for the religious duties of God. You have been set apart to be a minister of God. And this is why I struggle with the terms of clergy and laity. See, this mindset, when we think about caring for one another, this mindset can actually play out of us and them, and it plays out without us even realizing it. Let me give you an example of this. And so when I share this, please, I guarantee you there's going to be many of us in this room that you're going to sit there and go, oh, crap, I did that. I've done that. I'm pretty safe to say almost everybody in this room is probably going to have done at some point in time the example I'm about to give, including myself. Have you ever been in church and you're looking around and you're saying to yourself, man, I haven't seen this person here for a while. I better go ask Matt how they're doing. Matt, I haven't seen so-and-so for a while. What's up with them? Without realizing it's a mindset that's in us that think, well, of course the clergy should have tabs on what's going on in everybody's lives. Right? Clergy should automatically know what's happening in everybody's lives because that's their job, right? Their job is to shepherd everybody so they should already know what's happening. Here's the issue with that. 
We need to reject that mindset because here's the thing. I'm telling you this right now. Whenever God brings a person in the family to your mind, he is telling you, go care for them. He's not asking you to ask somebody else how they're doing. That's the whole reason he's placed them on your heart. Right? But we've fallen into this us-them. I care enough to know what's happening, but God's saying, no, I'm placing them on your heart because I want to use you as a priesthood to go show care to the individuals of the family. But we do it. I even do it as a pastor. There's been many times I've sat in Matt's office and I'll be like, you know what? Somebody came to mind, man. Have you heard from them lately? Again, if God places a person on your heart, he's telling you to go care for them. As I've been studying this, here's, here's one of the quotes that I came across that I thought was interesting. It says, one of the greatest disasters that ever came to the church was when the ministry was moved from the people to the professionals and from the pew to the pulpit. That means that somewhere along the way, the hands-on, everyday ministry of the church was taken out of the hands of the members and given to the career ministers. Now, here, I'm not trying to say that there is not a place for pastors. So please don't, I mean, I'm not, I'm basically saying, hey, you don't need us. There is a call for leadership. There is a call for pastors in the church. But what has happened in many ways, especially when it comes to how we live with one another, is unfortunately this us-them mentality, this I'm just an ordinary person, I can't minister to people the way the pastor can minister to people, has actually turned into many believers in the church have actually stepped back and not lived in the realm that God has called them to live because for some reason we have fallen for a lie that tells us we can't. Or we shouldn't. Or it's not our place. Whatever the reason, unfortunately, that has happened far too often. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 4. As you're turning to Ephesians chapter 4, I'm going I'm to process a few things uh, before we get into the meat of the, the, the text. Or as, as some people like to say, the thrust of the, of the message. He left. Thanks for enlightening us. I appreciate that. I do. I do. <laughs> so as we look at um, Ephesians, those of you that were here for our Ephesians series, if you look at Ephesians 1 through 3, this is where uh, Paul uh, is laying out some deep theology for us. He's, he's laying the groundwork and the foundation with some very deep and important theology uh, that, that is the foundation of everything else that he's about to say. And then in chapter 4, he starts shifting that, and he's talking about actually the church, how the church functions, how the church interacts, what the church is about, which again, the rest of Ephesians flows out of uh, chapters 1 through 3. But when we get to chapter 4, I'm not going to read all of this, but I kind of want to give you a breakdown. So we're following the process of thought that, that Paul is laying out here. The first thing we see in verses 1 through 6 and again, you can go back and read this uh, and kind of see this train of thought that Paul's going through. Uh, but the first thing he does in verses 1 through 6 is Paul is showing us the unity that should be found in the family. 
He's talking about the unity that should be there amongst uh, the believers, brothers and sisters in the church. He's talking about how there is one body and one spirit and one hope and one Lord and one baptism. And, and he's talking about how we bear together and all this. So he's, he's starting talking about the unity in the family. And then in verses 7 through 10, he, he starts telling, about, telling us about the supremacy of Christ. He's shifting it now to start talking about Jesus. And he's talking about how Jesus, the one that descended, is also the one that is ascended. And that he is victorious. And that he now reigns above all the heavens. And he goes on to say, um, he who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Like, it's interesting that, that he's, as he's talking about the family, uh, Paul kind of stops with this very important truth where he's like, listen, uh, the, the family's united, but we're united because the one who created the family is the one that fills the whole universe. He's the one that is exalted and, and has ascended above all the heavens. So, so he's telling us uh, of the supremacy of Christ. And then in verses 11 through 16, this is the, the bulk of what I want to look at uh, today is Paul goes into talking about the ministry then of all believers. He starts teaching us on how the, the family functions because of our unity and because of Jesus. He goes on, he says this. He says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service. That the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. He goes on. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of his who is the head that is Christ. For or from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Now, an important point to make here just real quick. Remember, the enemy wants us to be disconnected from the body. Right? That's what the enemy wants. He wants us to be disconnected from the body. If you take just what Paul said right there, it is impossible for a person to grow in their faith disconnected from the body. It's impossible. It is, is literally impossible for a person to grow in their faith, mature as a Christian, be used the way God intends to use them apart from the body. But that's what the enemy wants. Now, here's the thing as we think about caring for one another. And again, one another. This is again ministry inside the church. When we look at what Paul is saying, if you look at the follow the process of thought, the unity of the family... The supremacy of Christ, right? Christ reigns over everything. And because Christ reigns over everything, this then is how the family functions. The ministry of all believers. No such thing as an ordinary person within the family of God. Here's an important truth for us to understand. Our care and ministry to one another flows directly out of the awesomeness of the one who saved us, created this family, and gives us the hope that we stand in today. This is the whole reason we care and minister to one another, is because of how awesome Jesus is. 
Because Jesus is exalted above all of the heavens and the entire universe is filled with his presence and his glory. Because of that, that is what motivates us to care and minister to one another. See, see, this is why it sometimes gets difficult in the church. Because it's really easy to fall into the temptation to care for one another. Not because we're doing it based on how awesome Jesus is, but because we fall into this mentality, well, I have to. I mean, I'll be honest about it. I fall into that at times. I have to. I have to love people. I have to be kind to people. I have to show care for people. Can I tell you when you fall into the have-tos? Not a lot of joy in the have-tos. I have to serve the church. I have to show up. I have to have a position somewhere. I have to do this. I have to do that. Right? Not a lot of joy in that. And I've been there before. It's interesting. Uh, I I remember um, years ago... (laughs) <laughs> seeing a cartoon, and maybe other people have seen the same kind of thing, um, you know, uh, but it was basically a cartoon where the, the, the guy was in his bed, and he had the covers over him, and his wife, you know, was trying to wake him up, and she's like, you got to get up, you got to go to work, and, and he's like, I don't want to, I don't like going there, blah, 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 it's not, I don't want to be there, it's not fun, um, blah, 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 the people don't like me, and, and he's just listing all these reasons the other one goes, she's like, but you got to go, because you're the pastor, and you got to unlock the door, <laughs> right? Well, what's funny is the, the, the time of my life when God showed me that cartoon, I was like, ah, oh, crap, that's me. <laughs> right? It's easy to fall into the have-tos because we lose the, the whole purpose of the reason that we care and love one another. It's because of the awesomeness of Jesus. We care and minister to one another not because we have to or it's expected. We do it because of the greatness of who Jesus is and all that Jesus has done for us. And when we lose sight of that, that's the thing that actually pulls us away from the church. That's the thing that makes us get wounded and hurt feelings and makes us think, I don't need to be part of that. And that's the way the enemy wants to destroy us is because we lose sight of what God is actually saying, how beautiful the church is actually meant to be. I mean, think about this just for a second. Paul says that it is he, after talking about the one that that fills the whole universe... He starts verse 11 by saying, it was he, he, the one who fills the universe. He is the one who ascended higher than the heavens. It is he that fills the universe. It is he that transforms us and engrafts us into this family. It is he then that also equips us to be ministers to our family of faith. That's what Paul's saying here. He's saying, listen. He's given us the prophets and the apostles and the teachers and the evangelists and the pastors. It is He, the one who fills the universe, that has equipped us to serve and minister and care and love for one another. That is where the ministry of the priesthood comes from, or the priesthood of all the saints comes from. See, here's the thing how we care for one another how we love one another, how we do life together, how we encourage each other, how we support one another, how we challenge each other, how we motivate each other, how we protect and sacrifice for each other, and how we provide for one another 
actually declares to the entire world that the gospel is real. And it brings glory to our eternal Father and our Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit that fills us today. This is one of the most important things for us to understand. See, it's really easy to, to, to focus, and we should do this. Don't get me wrong, we should do this. We need to be reaching out to the people around us. We need to be reaching out to our neighbors. We need to be reaching out to the community. We need to be reaching out to those that are outside of the church and don't know Jesus. But we have to understand based on Scripture, the number one way Jesus said that it will proclaim to the world that he is who he says he is, is how we treat one another in here. Because the way, the way the family lives together in here actually will become the thing the Holy Spirit will use to a lost world out there. And he'll say, hey, come be part of the family. Think about it. Why do most people have a struggle with the church today? Because people that have grown up in any church context will, context will tell you things like, yeah, I've been in church for a bunch of hypocrites. Church hurts or church splits or church whatever, right? There, there's all these things of where people can actually say, I've seen how these people do not love one another. But God says, no, when we truly love one another because we, it flows out of the greatness of who Jesus is, that's going to tell the world, come be part of the family. Here's, here's another truth. We're trying to, kind of changing the mindset a little bit for us. Right now, in this church, right now, in this room, at this moment, our church is blessed to have prophets, teachers, apostles, evangelists, and pastors. Because the scripture tells us that God has given this to the church for us to build ourselves up to reach maturity, to do all of these things. Right now, we have that in our church. See, the issue is we start splitting hairs, right? Like we, we start thinking about a prophet as some dude that wears camel skin and lives out in the desert and is crazy, right? I, the guy that everybody, you know, Matt and I were joking about this uh, the other day. We were talking and... Um, Jeremiah, right? Because if you never read Jeremiah, there's like, when he gets called by God, one of the first things God tells him to do is, hey, get naked and lay down on your side for like 300 and some days. Because it's going to be a sign to everybody about the judgment that's coming. And Matt was like, hey, I'm good to be a prophet as long as I don't get asked to lay down naked. <laughs> um. And I told him my problem was not necessarily that as much as God telling him, hey, go collect some human feces and like cook your food over it. I was like, that's where I draw the line. Like, I'm just like, hmm, no, no. But see, we fall into this trap of, of we start splitting hairs on what these mean. And I'm not going to go through what these mean. That's not the point of this morning. What I want us to understand is right now, God has equipped us with these people. This was not something that was just in the beginning because he's given these to build up his church. Collectively, right now, we are all designed and put together for the purpose of equipping one another for works of service. 
You ever realize that? Of that that's part of your, your role in being part of the church? Is your role in some way God has designed you and gifted you in whatever way he has decided to do that, but he can use you and wants to use you to actually help equip the people around you so that they are able to do works of service. Like, that's the point, is, is we are all given one another to build each other up. And the number one work of service that we are all called to do is we are responsible to care for one another. That is a work of service that is the responsibility of every single person in this room if you call Blessed Hope your home. God has designed you and equipped you to care for the family in some way, shape, or form. Notice again what Paul says. These are the results, right? These are the results of what happens when we in the family of God, in the church, when we live in this intimacy of care and this devotion to one another that Paul is talking about, when we embrace this design that God has created, that we are designed to live together in unity and we are designed to care and minister to one another. Notice what the results are based on what Paul says. We are equipped for service. We are built up. We are united in faith in our knowledge of Jesus. We become mature. We attain the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. This is what Paul's saying is the results are when the church functions in, in, in the way that God has designed it to. This is the result. This is what happens as individuals, but also collectively. See, but here's the thing. If we allow our mindset towards the church, towards the family, to regulate the responsibility of care and ministering to one another, if we regulate that responsibility to only a few individuals, then the whole church will be, de- will be denied the abundance that God has offered through his family and through his son. See, see, that's what the enemy wants. He wants, he, he wants us to regulate it to a handful of people. And, and the rest of us, without us realizing it, he wants us to see ourselves as, I'm just an ordinary person. But God has designed you with more importance than that. He, he has designed you with more authority and power than that. There is no such thing as an ordinary person in the family. There's, there's, there's no second cousin twice removed that just sets off in the corner. There, there's no, I'm just here. That's not the way God designed it. And the beautiful part is, is the promise of what happens when we embrace the mindset that we are all part of the priesthood of believers that minister to each other. Amazing things happen in the church. In fact, one of the things I love about it, when you read the, the New Testament and you see how Paul talked about this, Paul never, never referred to other Christians in this authoritative, like, I am here in my position or you're here. He always referred to them the same way. We are co-laborers with Christ. 
We are all on the same journey together. Co-laborers for Christ. That was the truth in the beginning, and that is the truth today. We are co-laborers with Christ. Now, one of the last scriptures I want to share is out of Ephesians. Uh, not in this section, but a different one. But we've heard this before. 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 5.20. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, be reconciled to God. As I was praying through this sermon this week, in the last couple of weeks actually, but especially in this week, this scripture came to mind. Because God kind of shifted my, my view of it a little bit. When you look at the entirety of what Paul is talking about in this section of Scripture, when he's talking in 2 Corinthians 5, he's talking about the ministry of reconciliation that God has given to the church. That God has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. And every time we approach this passage of Scripture... We speak about it through the lens of us taking the gospel message to the world so that the world can be reconciled to Jesus. That is how we look at it. We are ambassadors, right? We've, we've said it in this church. I, we are ambassadors. We go out into the world to be ambassadors of Christ and his kingdom and his church to a lost world so they can see the need for Jesus. But this week, as I was thinking about this and praying through this, I got to thinking how this actually is more than just limiting it to initial salvation. Don't get me wrong, that's the crux of it. That's the main thing. Don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to say it's not. That is the main thing that is happening when it comes to what Paul is saying here. But here's the thing. Not only are you and I called to be representatives of Jesus to the world, we are also called to be representatives of Jesus to one another. See, because here's the deal. Even though I can stand here today and I tell you I have put my faith in Jesus Christ and I am a child, of, a child of God, I am part of this family, I can say that with all confidence that I know my salvation is secure. I still need brothers and sisters around me as representatives of Jesus trying to tell me, David, there's still more of you that needs to be reconciled to God. Like, you're not perfect, man. There's more. Like, go deeper. Go further. Chase after. We are not just ambassadors, representatives of God to the world. We are messengers and representatives of God to one another. See, here's the thing. It is through our love and our care and our devotion to one another that we will actually implore each other to go deeper into this beautiful fullness of Christ that has been given to us. I cannot grow as a Christian without my brothers and sisters. Because you are an ambassador of Christ to me. We've lost that in the church. To your care is actually necessary for us to live this abundant life that has been offered to us. And this is why the enemy doesn't want to see it happen. 
See, the care that you and I give to one another is the very thing that releases the promises of God that we find in Ephesians. The church is built up. The church matures. The church is used for the glory of God. One of the last thoughts that went through my head this week as I was putting all this together is just this. When we choose to live as the hands and feet of Christ. Now, I, that's, I purposely went there because anytime I ever hear hands and feet, it's always in reference to going out, right? Like during faith in action, that's a great time you might hear it more often. Let's go be the hands and feet of Jesus. Let's go be the body to the world. Let's go be the hands and feet of Jesus. But when we live as the hands and feet of Christ towards one another, within this family, it will naturally create a healthy church that is empowered by the Spirit of God to bring a hurting world the hope of Jesus. It's imperative for us to understand there are no ordinary people in the family. Because again, we are all ordained as ministers of Jesus. This is who we're designed to be. This is who we're equipped and empowered to be. When you leave here today, I hope that you leave knowing you're not just an ordinary part of the church. You are a necessity. A necessity. And I'll give you an illustration of this just this recently um, because this is how important it is. The other day, uh, my daughter, Libby, decided to, uh, she's going to do a puzzle, right? So she does this puzzle. And it was fun. I, I wasn't paying attention to none of this, but I heard the conversation. All of a sudden, she's like, something got said like, well, there's a piece missing. You know, she got it all together. There's a piece missing. And I think it was Piper that said this. I don't remember for sure. But all I remember is hearing somebody say, well, throw it away. <laughs> you know, because, I mean, it's worthless without that one piece. Right? That was kind of the mindset. <laughs> think about that in the context of the church and how valuable you are. Right? See, the enemy wants us to think that if we're not invested in participating and, and, and involved with the family, it doesn't matter all that much because he wants us to think we're just an ordinary person. Like our peace doesn't matter all that much. But, but see, that's the reality of it is the enemy knows that one missing piece can actually cause a lot of damage to the church. Because we have no idea how God has designed us and called us and how he is going to use us for the benefit of his church. See, but, but that's how the enemy works. It, it's to try to get us to think, well, it doesn't matter if I'm there. It doesn't matter if I'm invested. It doesn't matter if I'm ministering to my fellow brothers and sisters. It doesn't matter because I'm just an ordinary person. 
the most beautiful thing I've ever discovered when it comes to the church is this. I can tell you more stories of how a person in the congregation has had more impact on people for eternity than I have with all the sermons that I've preached up here. That's the reality of how God does this. And that's true for you just as much as it's true for the early church, for every believer. You are not an ordinary part of the church. Would you join me as we close in a word of prayer? Father God, as, as, we, as we have this moment, I, I pray first of all that, I mean, I, I know there's, there's so many of us in this place that are so thankful for, for this family of faith. They are so thankful for, for this community of believers, for this church that has been designed and created by you. And Lord, I know my heart is the same place. There is so much joy in my heart because of the, the family that you have blessed us with. But what I ask for myself and for anyone else, that, that, that even if you are thankful and, and full of joy, Lord, I, I want to continue to go deeper and, and experience the joy, Jesus, that you have towards our family. Lord, Lord I want to I experience and know the the joy that flows from your heart when you look at this collection of believers that gather faithfully in this place to serve you, to worship you, to love one another. Lord, I want to experience that. Lord, Lord I, I pray for, again, myself, but all of us that if we're not actively doing it, Lord, to, to pray constantly, Lord, let me see the church through your eyes. Let me see my brothers and sisters through your eyes. Let me see the ministry of this place through your eyes. Lord, so that we never allow the enemy to have even a space where he can kind of try to come against the unity that you have created for us through Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that if there's any that, that wrestle and struggle with a mindset that they don't have an importance in the body, that that just be wiped away with the truth of your word that there are no ordinary people in this church. That all of us are called and designed and equipped to fulfill the specific ministries that you have created us for. And Lord, that when the enemy tries to put us in a position where we're not faithfully fulfilling those ministries, that we understand that it actually weakens the family. Because that's how important we are. That's how valuable we are to the mission and the purpose for why you designed and created Blessed Hope Community Church. Lord, I pray that we leave here with that reality and that we are excited to step into it so that we can experience the fullness of
of what you promise in Ephesians. That we will be a body of believers that are so mature and built up in you that we experience the full measure of Jesus Christ. That's what's promised to us. And we are going to receive it in faith and walk in that truth. Lord, we give you praise and I just ask blessing upon this church today. May your spirit be heavy here this morning. Lord, it's all for the glory of you. In your name we pray. Amen.